Okay. So um, we're going to look at a real practical. We're in First Corinthians six. He's dealt with some of the spiritual issues in Corinth, which had to do with their divisions and, and other things, listening to false doctrine. Um, this morning's message was, um, <clears throat> boy, it was it was Paul really delivering a, a clear gospel message and the importance of it. Tonight it's going to be more practical, and there's going to be two particular subjects that are going to be um, um, uh, approached tonight. The first one is something that is is really interesting and really logical once we look at these verses. And it is the idea of taking another Christian to court. And what the Bible says about that. Um, when the Bible says that we are not of this world, it's not just a club we belong to. It's not just a, a, a Sunday morning thing. In the world, we're supposed to be very different. The Bible says we're a peculiar people, and one of those things that we're supposed to do that the world doesn't do is to be able to handle our issues in house with the desire to restore and reconcile, not vengeance, not have our uh, material things be put back in order. But let's read what the Bible has to say. Um, definitely says it better than I do. And he says, Dare any of you, verse 1, having a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous, and not before saints. <clears throat> so it's not eliminating you handling these matters. Although we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, I will tell you, in the scriptures, God encourages us to let things go. He absolutely does. It's the healthiest thing for you. Um, and all of us are human enough to know that we just let things get to us. And it can affect you in a very negative way. And so but what they were doing was, was something even more. It would be like if I had, you know, loaned Rick my lawnmower and he didn't return it. And he said, well, you gave it to me. And I said, well, we're going to go see Judge Judy about this. Uh, we should not go to Judge Judy. Um, so that's what they were doing. They were going to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. So it doesn't mean that, that Rick and I can't go to Don or Larry and say, hey, can we meet with you? We've got an issue. We'd like you to give us your biblical advice on this. Um, handling issues within the body. The purpose of it is grace, restoration, and reconciliation is the main goal. In human courts outside of the church, the goal is restoration of your money and usually punishment of... And, and I don't as much as I used to, but there was a time when I... Um, Used to I'm, I joke a little bit about this, but it's, it's seriously. I, I watched Judge Judy quite a bit, and and she looked and talked exactly like my mother. And my mom was from the Bronx, New York, and and so I would watch it because it just reminded me of my mom. Um, but boy, people are petty. 
people can be petty. And sometimes when people are petty, we want to be petty back. Well, here's what the Bible says. Look, look at Galatians 1, or Galatians 6, I'm sorry. Galatians 6, verse 1. This, we're in Corinthians 6, but now we're going to companion with Galatians 6. Uh, and it says, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness. So what is the goal there? Restoration. Considering yourself, lest you also be temple, tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. So there's this idea of unity in the spirit and restoration. Matthew 18:15 says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. So the first step is always that, that church procedure we talk where if he doesn't listen, you can take two or more. And you try to handle things to the point of sometimes you just even let it go. Let yourself be cheated. I know that's a hard thing for, for people. And, and we're going to read those verses in a minute. Of God encourages us at times to just let ourselves be cheated. It's a hard thing to do. Uh, and it, it wears on our brain. But back in 1 Corinthians, he goes further and gives the reasons why you don't want to take your matter to the law before the unrighteous. And when he says unrighteous, he simply means people who are not saved. He, he's not condemning the court system that judges are unrighteous or evil. It's the idea if, if they don't know the Bible and don't know God, then they will not approach your subject with the idea of grace and mercy and restoration. Verse 2, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to life? So God instructs the Corinthian church, you are the ones that have the wisdom and the knowledge. You're going to judge the world and you're going to judge angels. Well, what does God mean by that? How are we going to be judges to angels? Well, it, it, it's, it's complicated yet simple. The Bible says that someday we are going to rule and reign with Christ. And so when we judge the world or judge angels, and, and I do believe that he's talking specifically about the fallen angels, that, that they are going to be someday thrown into the lake of fire and we're going to be with Christ, his body kind of pronouncing that judgment. But what gives us the authority to, to, to be the ones that make those decisions? And it's the Bible. We, our court system, by the way, it doesn't work this way anymore, but we have a Supreme Court, and that Supreme Court is supposed to use 
one very important document as their guide for their decisions, and that is our Constitution. Um, we, when we judge matters between one another, if I did uh, take Rick before Don and Larry because we had an issue, uh, they would determine that issue based on Scripture, not on their opinions, not on their feelings. And they would have verses, which is why we are more qualified than the highest of the courts. The Bible trumps the Constitution. Did you know that? Bible trumps everything. And with the Bible, we have the very wisdom of God himself. And so when we are judging the world and judging angels, it's not based on the fact that we're so smart and intelligent. It's the fact that we have and should have within our hearts and minds the very word of God that gives us and and how many times in your life if you talk to your children or neighbors or friends or relatives and you said yeah but the Bible says this but I'm going to do this but the Bible says this it's kind of what we talked about today so people says well you're judging me no if, if I tell you that homosexuality is wrong it is wrong because God says it's wrong it's the only reason it's wrong. I personally could care less what people do. But I am not allowed to take what God says is wrong and say it's right. The Bible says shame on us if we call what is evil good and what is good evil. So really the ultimate judge and the ultimate one on the throne is God himself. But because we know God and he lives within us and we have his book... It makes us ultimately more qualified than anybody in the world without God in any decision making. So for us to take our inner church grievances to an ungodly or unsaved or unspiritual group to make that decision, it's foolish. And that's what Paul is saying. This makes no sense. We're trying to set an example to the world, aren't we? And I tell you, this, the, the, I've about had it with, with uh, um, social media pastors. You know, you, you try to go to find good sermons and good messages, and all they're doing is, is, is driving people away from somebody else's site to their site, and it becomes uh, every message is why they're right and everybody else is wrong, and nobody just preaches anymore. Nobody just shares a verse or anything, and, and it, 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 we have to be careful of that um, because it's prideful. Look at verse 4. If you then have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? If, if you have the book, and now Paul can't write to them and say, because remember, he's writing to the Corinthian church. We have even more uh, tools than the Corinthian church has. Why? They don't have the New Testament with them. They're just relying on the apostles' teachings and the letters of Paul. We have them all. So when he says to them, you have the judgments concerning this things pertaining to life, we have the Bible. So why do we need to go outside to people who don't have the Bible? Verse 5. I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able 
To judge between his brethren, that's an important verse. It's judging between his brethren. This is specifically issues between two Christian brothers, two Christian sisters. And the idea is that you don't have a person in your congregation wise enough to go to to handle this situation. And that's how it's supposed to be done. You can have differences of opinion. It might even be legal differences. It might be, no, you, it might be a problem between Rick and I. And we would agree as brothers in Christ, look at our friendship is more important than this issue. Let's go talk to Don. Let's go talk to Larry. And we agree that whatever decision they make, because they know it's going to be from the scripture, and you should be able to accept it. It's, it's a pretty mature Christian realm. And, and not a whole lot of people are there. But we, we're a Sunday night crowd. I think we're there. Uh, because the gospel and the ministry is more important than anything. And trust me, uh, we are a small town. If we have grievances, I, I do not take any credit for this. I, I, and I, I would give the credit to God all and, and to Don and Larry. But Don and Larry would not take the credit. But this church has been here for over 50 years now. And we've not had any major split or divisions. We've had people leave, but we've not had any major, no one's going over and starting Bible Christian Church 2 down the street. And I praise God for that. And I think it's because we hold the Bible in such high esteem. And that's important. Um, Verse 6 says, But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers! Exclamation point. This is a point Paul can't even... I don't understand why you're doing this. It makes no sense to me. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts <coughs> than your thoughts. So God's ways are better. So why take our grievances outside? 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, The natural man, that is an unsaved man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. <clears throat> but he who judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. That's God. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody can instruct God. Who's smarter than God? So where do you go to? You go to God. This is the same thing, I believe, with uh, counseling. Uh, nothing wrong with getting good counseling. Uh, but I wouldn't take any counseling from somebody who's not a Christian. I, I, what can they do for me? What verses can they share with me? They can't. I want somebody who's going to counsel me from the word of God, from the scriptures. Uh, nobody smarter than God. And his ways just aren't our ways. This brings us to verse 7, which is an interesting verse. And, and it's not controversial, but it's one of those verses that's hard. Uh, Therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? So 
let's get the full meaning of this verse. Um, we don't have to take everything lying down. What he's saying is, it's better for you just to let yourself be cheated than to take it outside of the church to an ungodly world. For the world to see this secular judge and the secular jury, whatever you're standing before, to see these two Christians talk about their church fight, it does such damage to, and, and this is, uh, we've got to be careful on how we message each other or post each other on Facebook. And uh, the world loves it when we as Christians sit there and fight over these theological issues. And it, it, we just look like we are, are arrogant, uh, prideful people. And uh, we want to be careful of that. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 38. And these are the words of Jesus himself. And these are pretty familiar verses. Um, I think most of us know these verses. So probably most Christians do. But I don't think they put them into practice all the time. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So where's the eye for an eye and tooth for the tooth found? Old Testament, it's under the law. We live under grace. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. In other words, they steal your shirt. Give him your jacket. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. Um, we had this young man stay in our building uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, just couldn't turn him away. I can't have this verse on my mind. And, and when people come and ask us for help, we, I, I don't remember hardly ever turning anybody away. Um, and oh, but they're using you. Yeah, absolutely. People have used this church for their, to pay their bills for years. Um, but these verses, it's, it's very out there. The idea of turning that other cheek and that idea of when they, I'll tell you a little story. It, it, is, it is a, I have a friend named Carrie, and I've known Carrie, Liz, how long have we known her? We've known Carrie since she was a freshman. I owe a lot to Carrie when uh, Liz moved into our apartments. Uh, Carrie was my best friend, and he went with me because I was too shy to meet Liz, and that's how I met Liz, and he went with me. And uh, then they proceeded to date for a couple weeks, and just teenage little things, and he broke up with her and, and that gave me a chance to comfort her and that was how we got together. So I owe Carrie quite a bit. Um, but Carrie is a Scientologist. Comes from a very strict Scientology family. So one day he invited me to go to a play. Uh, he says, I want you to go to this play. Ah, uh, Carrie, I don't know if I want to go to a play. He says, trust me, it's a, it's a musical. You really like it. And I said, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Well, it was a play called Les Miserables. 
in, in the play, the, the premise of it is this man had been unjustly imprisoned. He escaped from prison, and he was hiding out in a uh, monastery with a priest. And he stole from the priest. And he was caught by the police and brought to back to this priest. And he's, they opened the bag and said, is this yours? And he says, oh, I'm really glad you brought him back to me. And the police officer says, we thought you would be happy. He says, yeah, he forgot all of the best pieces. And he proceeds to give him all of these more expensive pieces. And the police leave, and he says, yeah, I gave him permission to take all this stuff. And they said, oh, sorry. And the man said, why did you do this? And he says, I'm giving you a redemption. I'm giving you a restoration. Take what I've given you, build your life, and live for God. And it, the rest of the play is how this man took this chance so I told Carrie afterwards, I said, he said, well, how'd you like it? I said, I loved it. He says, he says, you did? I said, yeah. You know who the hero of the whole thing was? He says, yeah, this guy. I said, no, it was the pastor. I said, the pastor was the hero. I said, that's what the gospel's all about, is Jesus taking our place. And, uh, but that's, this verse lived out, isn't it? This guy took these and he said, no, take these also. And he gave. And for the gospel's sake, God really wants us to kind of live differently. We live different than the world. And sometimes it means just letting things go for the purpose of maybe having a door to witness. Paul said what? I am all things to what? All people that I might win some. And it's hard to do because I, I don't like being lied to. I don't like being cheated. I don't like being ripped off as the kids say. And uh, but but God, boy, he he creates us in a different mode. So those verses, <clears throat> they're there, and, and I, there are a lot of verses when I talk about this, where people say, "Well, I don't think that's really what it says." Well, it's exactly what it says. It's exactly what it says. And so, <clears throat> let's go back to First Corinthians. Verse eight. Know you yourselves, and says, no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. So in this particular verse, he, he appears to be addressing the person that, there is, there is wrongdoing here. Somebody has cheated somebody in this church. He's first condemning them for taking it outside the church. And Paul says, I'll take care of this. You're wrong. It doesn't give you the right to now cheat people because we're just supposed to let it go. No. You do want to, you know, take a stand at times. But when it comes to the world, it, it comes to a point where you can let it go. Verse 9 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, adulterers, idolaters homosexuals or sodomites so you have two phrases that you have homosexuals and sodomites there is a little bit of a difference in the greek in the greek the homosexual here makes um reference to um those who would sell themselves those who are actually prostitute their homosexuality sodomites are just um taking part in the act and so they have um the harlotry of it over here and the take the sodomite is just taking they get the name from where sodom and gomorrah 
And so uh, this, this idea of preachers today trying to twist those scriptures to somehow say God's okay with it, it this, you, you have to throw this verse out. So does that mean that in this verses, uh, fornicating is any sexual sin, idolatry is idolatry, adultery is adultery, and so we want to be careful to understand that, that all these sins are equal in God's eyes. And so sometimes we want to hone in on certain ones. Uh, so um, Jesus says, if you look at a woman, you've lusted after her, committed adultery. So under this verse, if the act, the single act of adultery or fornication, does that keep you out of heaven? Absolutely not. You see, when you become a believer, as we talked about this morning, what happens to those sins? They're gone. So you were once a thief, but you're not a thief anymore. And so what he is telling the people, you are, if you're going to live this and cheat your brothers and steal, don't you understand that the unrighteous don't inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, if if you steal from somebody and someone catches you, you ought to at least feel bad about it. And if you don't, then th again, the evidence this morning that the Holy Spirit's probably not evident, probably not there. Um, and that brings us to verse 11. And such were some of you. Meaning what? Yeah. See, those adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, they are those who see nothing wrong with it and choose that lifestyle over God. It's amazing the hatred for God on the liberal side of our world. And, and that's really the key to the whole thing. You know, it, it, and I don't think very many of us care what people do in the privacy of their own homes. Uh, but we will fight to keep it out of our children's textbooks at school. And so we will fight to keep it out of the streets, so to be. Um, but boy, there's a hatred for God on that liberal side. Uh, because it's oh, a spiritual issue. The physical issues are are just the remnants of the spiritual issue. Um, and for us, but there by the grace of God go I, so to speak, you were that way, some of you. But you were washed, this is what Brian just said, uh, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God. Whew. That's a good verse. Three things. Washed, sanctified, and justified. Your sins have been washed away. God sees me just as if I'd never sinned. That's justified. Uh, justified goes with the fact of I'm a Christian whose sins are washed away, but I still sin. But my position in Christ is perfection. My, I, I'm not perfect yet, but in the eyes of God, he sees Jesus when he sees me. I don't ever will understand that. I don't think until I get to heaven, how God is like that. And that sanctification is a word that means to be separated or set apart. There's a process of sanctification. We should be growing in our faith. 
We should be closer to God uh, and know more about God as we grow. This is why he told this Corinthian church earlier, I should be able to feed you meat by now, but I can't. I still got to feed you milk because you're still babies. You're not doing any growing. And uh, to be brutally honest, this is not a... Uh, there's a lack of growth in, in this church. Larry mentioned in Sunday school about uh, Pastor Jim lamenting over the lack of uh, spirituality in, in LeGrand. And it's still there. It's still... Um, and, and in this body, it's a great body, the, but very few show up on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. And because of that, they're stunting their growth. Not because they're not listening to me, but because they're probably not reading their Bibles either. And sometimes you see people who have been in church for 10 years and, and they're same where they were 10 years ago. It's not supposed to be that way. And going to church once or twice a month will not spark spiritual growth. If you're not doing the work on your own at home, but here's what happens when you I was you start studying the word and you start to hunger it <laughs> and you want to be there when the it, it, it's amazing when you and, but man Satan does everything he can I was uh, had a went a week ago Thursday to visit Garrett and visit with his brother and his brother Jacob he's the youngest brother and last time I saw him he had moved up to Oregon joined kind of a cult kind of denounced his faith and uh, was a uh, hippie he said I'm, I'm a hippie now and, and you know God is everywhere and had all these very odd just weird <laughs> spiritual things and so I was a little bit uh, so I went to see Garrett and he said hey my brother's coming over and I was little, I thought, I don't want to get into these long. And all of a sudden, he was just talking, and you could just tell. He was solid in his theology, solid as could be. And uh, so I talked to him a little bit, and he says, well, I've been studying this, and I've been listening to sermons by this and reading books. By, and they were all super solid, great Bible teachers that he was listening to. And the change in him was visible and so I mentioned about when Lane was here and some of his um, philosophies and he goes and he says hey that sounds like me when I went through my foolish stage there's hope for him and he was com and what was the difference he just started just engulfing himself with the word the word the word the word and now you wouldn't if, if they were having a church service, he's there. He, he goes to every service. It's what the word does. It's what it's supposed to do. And he says to them, nah, you were that way. That was you. But you were washed, sanctified, justified. So judge yourselves. Stay in there. Quit cheating your brothers. They don't know what they're talking about. They can't help you. We have been forgiven so much. And if you think about that, it helps you turn the other cheek. It helps you give your coat also. It helps you take that humble step. Because 
Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Jesus is the one who committed no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He gave us the greatest example of all of allowing them to strike him on the cheek. They literally struck him on the cheek. They nailed him to a cross. They scourged him so that we might be saved. So God just says to us, if the time comes, reconciliation, restoration, and the preaching of the gospel is more important than you getting your lawnmower back. It's more important than those material things. And don't, uh, a brother offended is, is very hard to win, the Bible says, almost impossible. Keep those bridges going. Um, so he, he, he takes a slight turn in verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So he's going to start talking about physical lusts here. And what's going on in the church is, is the fact that people are, are greedy stealing from each other. But there's something else that's going on. The Corinthian church, and see if this sounds familiar. In, in Corinth, it's a big city. And it is filled with vile activity, including prostitution. And they are rationalizing their sexual sins. Sound familiar? They are coming up with reasons why it's, it's okay. Why it's just natural. And so Paul starts this conversation with our liberty in Christ. All things are lawful for me. In other words, we don't live under works. It doesn't matter what you eat. There's nothing you can eat that will keep you out of heaven. There's nothing you can watch on TV that's going to keep you out of heaven. Nothing you can do if you trust in Christ that's going to keep you out of heaven. But there's things you shouldn't eat. There's things you shouldn't watch. There's things you shouldn't listen to. Because while all things are lawful for me, not all things are helpful. Not all things are glorifying to God. Bible says set no evil thing before your eyes and you just shouldn't not everything is 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 because everybody's watching and it's really popular and then it goes on to say all things are lawful for me but I will not be brought under the power of any there are some things that can become very addicting whether they're food whether it is the lust of the eyes uh, whether it is um, alcohol and uh, Liz and I have been talking about this. It, just the, the, the acceptance of getting drunk. Everybody just has to be drunk. Even if in the, the realm of, of, uh, of the world. It's just like they can't do anything without being drunk anymore. It's it just, I don't get it. And they've come under the power of the alcohol. They can't even function without, uh, have any kind of function without just drinking and drinking and drinking. And uh, it's sad to me that people are so unhappy with their own 
selves, they have to create some alter ego through the alcohol. Um, and so he gets into this, verse 13, foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So this is a little complicated and I did a lot of research on this. And in this idea of this writing, that the Corinthians were comparing their hunger with their lust. And they were comparing their lust for, for uh, sexuality with their hunger. And Paul is differentiating the two. And they were kind of living the hedonistic life in which, you know, well, if, if I got that feeling, you know, I, you know, it must be from God. You know, God gave me this feeling for this. And so they, prostitution was fully acceptable in, in the city of Corinth. It wasn't against the law. It was fully acceptable. So what happens to the world around a church? Sometimes it does what? It'll seep in. And there are churches that are fully accepting this. Fully accepting. Uh, I just saw from a church the other day where, where um, they had a man in drag come up to the front of the church dressed in full drag with all of his inappropriate dress. And they had two little 12-year-old girls. And they said, would you like to ask any questions to our guest today? And they were so, they didn't even want to be there. And the one girl said, I really like your makeup. And then the preacher said, this is a perfect example of Romans 12 when it says, be not conformed to the world. The world wants to tell this saint of God how to dress and how to live. And God says to not be conformed to the world. And the world tells you that this is wrong. But the world is wrong. And we are loving. And we are good. See, that's what was happening in the Corinthian church. They were taking what is obviously evil and accepting it. And saying, well, if I get hungry, I eat. So if I get hungry, I go to the prostitute. And Paul is saying, no, you don't understand. This is completely different. He says, the body is not for sexual immorality. Now the food is for stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both it and them. When, when we get to heaven, you're not going to be hungry. You won't be hungry in heaven. There might be food there, but you're not going to be like, oh man, I'm starving. It's just going to be for pure pleasure. Eat honey because it is good. But sexual immorality is so different. Verse 14 says, God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take my members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Don't you know that, that you're now a body in which the Holy Spirit lives? You can't take, that's, and you're comparing that to going out and having a meal because you're hungry? No. Sexual sin is different than any other type of sin according to the Bible as far as the effect it has on you. It says, do you not know, verse 16, that he who is joined to a harlot 
is one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. We read those verses from Genesis and from uh, Ephesians last night at, at the wedding with Tyler. They become one flesh. And, and this is the design by God. And if you really think about God's design for all of it, it's so perfect in the eyes of God. Marriage, one person, united for life. Man, we miss it. We, we miss out on that when we fall to the full acceptance of, you know, and, and the wedding was beautiful. It was great. Really happy for Tyler. But it loses, they've been together for four years, living together. So it takes a little bit of the, you know, they didn't want to do any of the garter or anything like that because it was, they've been married really for four years. And you lose that, that beauty of it all. Um, verse 17, but he who was joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Remember, the marriage is a picture of Jesus, the head of the body. And just as the husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church. So if, if we are a picture of church and a picture of the head, sexual sin is, is just so inappropriate. It, it just so so much damage. So what's the answer? Verse 18. What's he say? Flee sexual immorality. Who does that make you think of? Anybody in the Bible? Joseph. Potiphar's wife. He ran right out the door. Still got thrown in prison. But he fleed. He ran away. And, and man, the Bible says um, uh, to flee those youthful lusts. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's a resisting. It's an exercise of, of resisting. And, and again, this is what I really think is the, a, a danger of alcohol is we, in our perfectly sober minds, struggle with sin. So why do we want to put anything in our body that takes away that ability to... to, 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 to take care of it how many people do things I mean you don't get nicer when you drink you usually get more so it's a dangerous thing so flee sexual immorality every sin that a man does is outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body it's a different type of sin because your Holy Spirit lives within it that, it, that whole activity is it's a beautiful picture of Christ and the church becoming one. And to violate that is, it, it's, it, there's so many verses in Proverbs <clears throat> about the damage that it does. Or do you not know, this comes to the, the main point, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God and you are not your own. That's the, I love this. It's my favorite verse in this chapter. We are not our own and we live in a culture of rights. My rights don't, you've offended me. You've hurt my feelings. You've done this and, and you need to live in a, in a world in which you completely yield your rights and you live for God 
because you are not your own. Why are you not your own? You were bought at a price. So what was the price for you? The life of Christ, the blood of Christ. He paid the price for the wages of sin is death and Jesus paid those wages and he redeemed you. What does the word redeem mean? To purchase back, to buy back. And you now belong to God. And how dare you take the body in which the Holy Spirit dwells and go and, and take part in this worldly, uh, suing everybody, cheating your brother and, and uh, sexually immorality actions with prostitutes. Why would you do that? Paul's trying to bring this church back into... Doesn't this all make logical sense as a Christian? That we wouldn't steal from each other? that we wouldn't sue each other and that we wouldn't commit fornication and idolatry and homosexuality for you were bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's and so these are practical things all of it is summed up in, in one phrase, submit to God and resist the devil. Submit to God, flee sexual immorality, tells Timothy to flee youthful lusts. And sometimes, look, we're not, I'm not strong enough to hang out in, in, in the world and, and not be drawn into it. So we've got to flee, stay away from it. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us in this, these areas, Lord, and these are very practical things. These are where we learn these things so that when we are handling situations of, of uh, our friends and family that we have these verses to go to. We can, we can take these verses on what to do when, when somebody treats us rudely, persecutes us, slaps us. And, and Lord, we have a different answer than the world would give. So, Lord, help us to continue to study, to continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to set the example for those around us in Jesus' name.